Hi, I'm Captain Kiwi, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon, and you should too. It'll keep the wind in your sails. Just go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon to show your support. No life, no fun! Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown-Up Podcast listeners to this, the Backtrack Edition of the Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And of course, you know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. 45 years ago, one of Marvel Comics' most popular characters was brought to life for the small screen. For five seasons, David Banner wandered the country trying to find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. In this episode, we remember the 1978 CBS television series, The Incredible Hulk. I know I watched a ton of the Hulk. Yeah, you're humming the song already. It's funny. This was appointment television for me. We've talked about that many times. Oh, big time. Coincidentally, our first fourth listener email is about appointment television. (laughs) D. Shannon wrote in actually a comment over on the uh, TV Guide Backtrack episode that we posted to YouTube. You guys remember the TV Guide show? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, D. Shannon says TV Guide was an appointment book for appointment TV. If you missed your appointment, you couldn't see the episode until rerun started. Six months later. Yeah. If you missed a special movie appointment, like The Wizard of Oz, then you had to wait a year until it was played again. <laughs> Appointments, crying, <laughs> laughing, smiley face. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And again, The Incredible Hulk, we're going to talk about in just a minute. That was one of my appointments, probably was for, you know, you guys and many of our listeners, in fact. Yeah. And also another quick fourth listener email. I guess we have a fourth and fourth prime listener this time <laughs> around. This is Vern who wrote in. Subject line was Spinal Tap. Nice. Oh, cool. So Vern says, so shortly after listening to the Rob Reiner podcast, I found myself with my wife at the Train, Jewel, and Blues Traveler concert, and they opened the show with all the bass players from all three bands joining Blues Travelers on stage for a very well-done cover of Spinal Tap's Big Bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. says, I don't think three-quarters of the crowd knew what they were hearing, but I knew and was singing along loudly. Oh, yeah. So Vern wraps up by saying, just wanted to share, keep up the great work, and I love your show, Vern. Awesome. Oh, that's Thanks. very wow. cool. We sure appreciate it. We love it that you wrote in. We love it every time any of the fourth listeners take time to write into the show. If you'd like your email featured here on the show, it's easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one. And most of them, like Shannon's and Vern's, will eventually make the show. All right. With that good business behind us, it's time to jump in to the incredible Hulk backtrack right after this. Stick around. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. Premiering Friday after Wonder Woman, it's the all-new Incredible Hulk. 
Our radiation experiment has unleashed the ultimate mutation, turning David Banner into a superhuman beast whenever he becomes angered. Bill Bixby stars in The Incredible Hulk, premiering Friday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. It's time to talk Incredible Hulk, and we're talking about specifically the 1978 series that ran on CBS between 1978 yeah. and 80, what, I think 82 or so. 82, something like ran. that, yeah. yeah. Uh, it actually started as a two-hour pilot movie that established the Hulk's origins, which we'll talk about in a second that we that we know, <laughs> which actually deviates from the comic books, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it absolutely does. The series ran for 80 episodes, which act a very abbreviated fifth season that finally ran in the last year. If you've seen this at all, you probably know... The the basic synopsis, and I'm going to rely on you guys to tell me how it differs from the comic books. I didn't know, but David Banner, he's traumatized by a car accident that killed his wife, but he'd heard stories of people that get superhuman power under extreme circumstances. Like, oh, mm-hmm. my, my child is pinned under a tree and I can lift it. Right. And so he's a scientist that believes that this radiation can kind of invoke that same thing in him. He didn't know that it had been tuned recently. He overdosed himself. He thought it failed, but before he knew it, he was he got a flat tire, hurt his hand. And you see that opening credit yeah. scene where he's raging in the, the thunder and the lightning and the rain. And he turns into the Hulk all of a sudden. He had no idea. Yeah. And the, the thing that got me about that movie, even as a kid, there's a couple of things I just thought were just like, really? Which was uh, they somehow recalibrated the range of gamma radiation to be like 50 times or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when he turns up, he didn't realize he was giving himself like this mega dose of gamma radiation. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, who does that? It doesn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this being a dramatic show. Like I thought it was going to be a kid show, but mm-hmm. as a kid, that didn't bother me. Just the fact that we had the Hulk was really cool. Yeah. Uh, before we get any deeper into it, I, I want to kind of go around and since we all grew up with this show, like what is the thing you most remember about watching this show? Let's start with you, Mo. What do you remember about watching The Incredible Hulk? Um, probably his eyes with the contacts just before he turns into the Hulk. Because mm. when he gets mad, all of a sudden he looks up and all of a sudden it's like the white contacts I think he had or something like that. And mm-hmm. then he turns into the Hulk and then all the clothes ripping because there's always the same rip sequence. I mean, I think <laughs> right? they just, it's different angles, but it's the same sequence. And then somehow or other, he always had the same pants on. So, you know, that's what I remember. <laughs> Why do the pants always still fit afterwards? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and the same color too. What about you, George? What are your thoughts when you think about the Hulk? Well, I mean, first of all, you said something. You said we all grew up with the show. I didn't really grow up with this show. Oh, really? You got to okay. realize that this came out in 77 or oh, whatever. good point. Yeah. You're I'm younger. six years old when that comes out. I'm mm. not watching nighttime TV dramatic shows. I didn't think of that. Even though they are about the Hulk. Mm-hmm. I was cartoons and maybe get to watch a little bit of wrestling with my dad. But like <laughs> I said, in the evenings, he would take over the TV. So I didn't grow up with it. What I do remember from reruns probably later on Mm -hmm. so i don't have a lot of memories of the show i remember the intro and that whole voiceover and Mm -hmm. i remember the piano keys at the end of every episode when he was walking away those (laughs) are the only two things that (laughs) we've already been singing that twice in this show yeah yeah. (laughs) probably for me it's I know I watched, I think I watched every episode. It's not like you had an episode guide back then, but it was something I always tried to not miss. And the thing I remember most was my own play after the show. Because I absolutely had, you know, I got a, a shirt, my dad's old dress shirt, and I cut it all up so I could run around the yard and wear it. And, and I had pants that I cut off just below the knees, I think, basically. Yeah. Like, they fit me fine. They were my pants. They were old pants. But I made these cutoffs that were, now I guess they're called clam diggers or something. That's an actual style. But the way that <laughs> Lou Ferrigno's pants were too short on him, I would run around and rawr, 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 run around the yard and just 
something about there's something empowering about the Hulk because he's so primal and he's kind of subhuman intelligence. He's just acting on instinct. Hmm. There's a lot about it that resonated with me that kind of got out some of my early <laughs> preteen <laughs> angst and rage <laughs> during my play. You know, as I was rewatching, which I did go back, I started rewatching some of these shows. And if you guys have watched anything from 70s, probably early 80s mm-hmm. drama, the first thing I noticed was pacing for television dramas back then is so slow and plodding. These hour-long shows could easily be 35 minutes these days. I mean, it's it's by today's standards, though. I mean, it's say truth, when I watched Hulk, I didn't think it was slow when I watched I it. I didn't. Back then, I didn't know. Mm-mm. Yeah. You know, so I just think we're just, things have changed. <laughs> you know, TV, mm-hmm. I think, has gotten a lot quicker, faster scene changes, mm-hmm. shorter attention spans, I guess. <laughs> but it was definitely uh, an hour that went fast when I was watching, mm-hmm. it, even with commercials. Now, as much as I love the show, I barely read the comic books, maybe a couple of digests, like those Archie-sized mm-hmm. digests. So I didn't know the character very well. So I'm going to have to lean on George and Mo to understand the differences here. But I know no, one no. Think You'll I know have for- to lean on Mo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got you covered. Just like the TV show, I didn't read the comic books either. Really, I, I, I totally had did. one Incredible Hulk comic book. No, it wasn't a character that I was interested okay. in. He's big, green, plotting monster. When I was a kid, <laughs> I was much more interested in Superman or Spider Man. But the Hulk, nah, wasn't really anything. Well, that's because George was the jock. I was a big, green, plotting monster, so I related very well <laughs> to the Hulk. It was fine. <laughs> well, one thing I know is different from the comics. I'll, I'll rely on Mo mostly, I guess, and <laughs> George is that uh, I always wondered initially, hey, I knew his name was Bruce Banner. We know his name is Bruce Banner. But in the show, he was David Banner, and they chose to totally change his name with no explanation. Do you know why they bothered to even do that? It's canon. Yeah, I mean, that was was one of those things that really bugged me about the show. Mm -hmm. Why are they calling him David? He's Bruce Banner. Because, you know, back Mm -hmm. then, superheroes, they had, I think it was called the Illuration. Illuration, yeah, yeah. Peter Peter Parker, Parker, Bruce Banner, Reed Richards. Clark Kent, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was pretty standard fare. So I did some digging into it, and I don't know how true this is, but this is what I found in a few different sources on the internet. So I'm just going to okay. say it is that according to both Stan Lee and Lou Ferrigno, it was okay. changed because CBS thought the name Bruce sounded too gayish. <laughs> what? <laughs> The name Bruce? I, mean, I can see that being a concern in the 70s. Yeah, to tell you <sighs> the truth, I didn't think it was that far-fetched, to be honest. And then David apparently is wow. the name of like the one of the writer's sons or the creator's son or something like that. So he's David Bruce Banner is the name of the character on the show. Mm, okay. And Bruce is the middle name, but nobody ever calls him that. They oh, so they kept the, the Bruce. What, was it on the headstone or something maybe? It was yeah. on the headstone. That's ah. what I, like I told you, I remember two things, the <laughs> intro <laughs> and the exit. And that headstone had David Bruce Manor on it. Ah, yep. okay. Of all the reasons I would have guessed, that's not one of them I would have come up with. <laughs> so I got a question for Mo. We're early on in this podcast episode about the Hulk. And mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, Mo. I know you really were kind of a champion for doing the backtrack on Incredible Hulk. You were talking about, you know, going back to the original MCU, right? Mm-hmm. Was yeah. kind of the way you were thinking about it. But so far, and I'm guessing this will change as we go along. I've heard you say nothing about problems that you've had about the show, and it doesn't seem like you really enjoyed the show. So I'm just kind of curious. Oh, is that just? It. Oh, I did like, enjoy. It. I just when I talk about the, like, it was just one of those the, the things that bugged me. Like for as a little kid, it was one of the things that just really bugged me for no reason. Like why is his name David? Now I like the rest of the show. But every time mm-hmm. he, they called him David, I was like, his name is Bruce. Uh, <laughs> so was it because you were a super fan of the comic, and that's yeah. why you started watching the show? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Okay, because I think that's important to point out because 
the show was launched not because it was some random idea that somebody put together and said, oh, let's do a TV show about a guy who turns into this big giant monster and goes around crushing things. It was because <laughs> it was based off of a very popular comic book series. Mm-hmm. And it was oh, yeah. the first foray into taking a comic book property and trying to make it into a different medium that would appeal to the masses. Right. So I think that's why I wanted to ask that question because I just wanted to see, you know, what was it that drew you to the show and did you really like the show or did the show just piss you off because you were such a fan of the comic books? Like, yeah, has it was happened. the closest thing to a superhero live action thing anywhere. Really? Mm-hmm. Was oh, this yeah. before the really crappy Captain America stuff? Oh, yeah. That only lasted oh, yeah. like half a yeah. season. That was yeah, terrible. I, I think that actually was like the, part of the movies or I, I don't know my canon for all of this, but I think it was like one of the TV movies at the end of the series where they tried to make this Avengers series of people that yeah. Captain America you're talking about. Well, and they had that weird Spider-Man thing that we all hear about from Japan <laughs> yeah. where he rides a motorcycle and shit. And- <laughs> there was a short lived American one that they did like a pilot and never got any further. But yeah, it was mm. stupid also. Well, and there was the Spider-Man and the Electro Company. I know we're not talking to Spider-Man, that's but it's true. a Marvel that's franchise. True. I always enjoyed that one too. I think that's important though, because this is the one of that era that I would say was successful. Oh yeah. It's the one people still talk about. It's the one that was, it was, and it wasn't critically, like you look at Rotten Tomatoes for whatever that's worth. It's like a 53%. Who cares? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, there was some others that were successful, like Wonder Woman. Oh, that's true. Sure. There were a yeah. couple mm-hmm. others. There were a couple, yeah. of, but not many, not many. Mm-hmm. They changed his origin story also. That's the other thing they changed. In the comic book, it was a gamma ray bomb, actually. Really? That he was the scientist that he oh, worked on. Oh, because it was origin during like the nuclear tests, probably. Right. Cold War. During the Cold War stuff. Oh, right. huh. So the bomb went off and then he became the Hulk. Right. Because a kid was driving out to the field where they were testing the bomb and he went out there, threw the kid into the trench and then the bomb went off and he didn't escape. So. Oh. Mm. And in this one, he's a scientist who kind of does it to himself right. during research. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hmm? You said he drove out and he threw the kid into the trench to a trench yeah so he would and be- the trench saved the kid yes but not him <laughs> but the radiation didn't get to the I know. kid in a ditch it's just a trench <laughs> I'm just <laughs> telling you but it wasn't a comic book I'm not wait, trying wait. to put logic now I know this. why they changed it because the comic book wouldn't make no damn sense <laughs> <laughs> and the kid who did it was also one of these kids that was like he's a recurring character in a whole bunch of other comic books too like he appears there he appears in a whole bunch <laughs> of other ones he's the kid that gets all the people screwed up <laughs> yeah. he just drives out everywhere and, oh, let me go over here. Oh, damn it. Now I'm a Hulk. Yeah, now the guy's a Hulk. So it's because of his fault. George, it's funny that you brought up that question to Mo because we have always talked about how on the pod, how we have very different approaches to everything we knew in pop culture and in life, how Mo is very urban and I'm very rural and you're kind of suburban. And now we have the same thing with the Hulk, right? Based on our ages, because <laughs> Mo came into it from a comic book angle. I came into it from a TV fan angle and you came into it just briefly as repeats later because you wouldn't see it in the first time. So we're going to have a diverse view. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, and we can talk about this a little bit during the legacy segment, really my biggest fandom of the Hulk is the modern era stuff, the Mm -hmm. modern Marvel movies that have come out. And there've been like four different Hulk iterations or whatever of different actors and different people and different storylines. But I'm fascinated to learn more about the original. And I know, John, you now have this out there on the public domain for me to go watch. So <laughs> I, I will yeah. go back and watch these <laughs> um, at some point. But you had said even in some of the comments leading up to this episode about it, the pacing being slow mm-hmm. and Mo was talking about they killed the origin story and did something different. 
honestly, a lot of that stuff turned me off to going and watching it until we recorded this podcast. I wanted to hear more about y'all's thoughts before mm. I went and put five seasons. You said this thing was out worth well, of time into this. You're not committed to watch all five seasons. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've seen me watch 15 seasons of ER. You know. Wait, wait correction. Correction. Yeah. We've seen you rewatch 15 seasons yeah, of that's true. ER after you've already seen them and Law and Order true. and stuff. Well, something yeah. you'll notice about the Hulk is you're not going to binge this because of the pacing of it. And this was back when the, it was only 20 some minutes of commercials. So like 45 minutes long, 46 minutes long. They're yeah. long, hour long episodes too. Okay. Yeah. So I can't like with ER, I had no problem when they were airing on one of those channels. They were doing six episodes a day. I watched six episodes a day. Oh yeah. I couldn't do that with this show. You're saying with this, I probably can't. I can watch like two at a time. And I have been doing that lately mm, in the evenings. Yeah. I'll sit down and curl up and put on a blanket. <laughs> curl with, up. With and my kitty cat. Ask and watch. for somebody to help. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And there were some things in the origin story which were funny, which I didn't read about so much later. Mm. It's like one of those things like, you know, the TV studio said we have to change the name. They also wanted to push and make the Hulk red, if you could believe that. Well, like, okay. Mm-hmm. So they didn't make it red, obviously. He's no, green right. and got the green contacts like you were talking about and whatnot. What was the big deal about red or not red? That it would show better and be more like he's raging kind of thing. I think it was the That's rationale. What I, read. I mean, it, like, why did he not become red? Like, if studios produced Stan Lee said, hell no. Stan Lee said, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, you can change okay. the name, but you can't change the color of the character. So Stan Lee says you can't change the color. He had a different color for the Hulk when he first started. Yeah, he was gray, but then he Was he gray green. before? Yes. Yeah, he, was, he started I remember gray. seeing that. Yeah. But then he turned into green. And don't tell me there wasn't a red Hulk, because there was a Red Hulk later on. I don't there was know later. It was yeah, Banner. that was Thunderbolt Ross. But anyway, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of Hulk, but, the, <laughs> but yeah, but the the main Hulk guy was he was gray for like I think about a year, and then they turned him to green, hmm. and then green. They just ran been, out of gray ink. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> or the gray just wait, too, wait a minute, gray ink? Isn't that just ink? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess they ran out. Point they of order. Green. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so George, you talk about how much you know and love the opening sequence. So there's one mm-hmm. shot in there that you're going to identify with, of course. And it's right after Banner turns into Hulk for the first time and he flips that card over in the rain. He's all yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can imagine they spent a lot of money in this opening sequence. In fact, the whole opening sequence, they see all these like pictures of blood coursing through veins and amoebas yeah. and things. Mm-hmm. They never see it. They never bother to show that in the show. But when Ferrigno flips that car over, they had initially tried to do it and the crane broke and it was on its edge and whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Lou Ferrigno said, you know what? Just roll. That some bitch flipped the car over like for wow. reals. Yeah. yeah. I-, I can believe it. I mean, <laughs> Ferrigno wasn't known for being weak. At that no, point, no. I mean, no, no, that's for sure. All kinds of strong and Mr. Bodybuilder and whatnot. I think with the Hulk, it, the show was successful. Like you said, Lynn, you know, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, that was successful mm-hmm. too. That launched her career. I would say this did the same for Lou Ferrigno. If not for the Hulk, I don't think Lou Ferrigno has any kind of career whatsoever. It's the mm-hmm. role that really gave him an opportunity. I would agree. And we can talk about it later on. Sure. But yeah, yeah. I'm sure things like that were probably became quick legends in Hollywood on sets around the studio. Studio, like, hey, 
if you need an actor who doesn't mind doing shit, get Lou Ferrigno. He'll flip a car for you. <laughs> I always remember that the thing that always struck me as frustrating if I were if I were actually David Banner was he's like this super genius scientist that has done all these yeah. crazy things. And because he was on the run, he was, mm-hmm. you know, he's out looking for this cure to, to solve everything. And he always had an alias last name. He was David Boxer, David <laughs> Williams, David. He kept David, but it's different. Yeah. But he was take the most menial, crappy, stupid, odd jobs. Yeah. And then people would find or... out like, my good, you, you're really smart. What are you doing dishwashing? And he'd be like, oh, no big deal. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I always felt for him because I'm like, he must be so frustrated in doing things. He can't tell people, well, I'm a super duper scientist because that would get McGee on his case because why is this super genius roaming the country? Right. You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> McGee. He was a reporter, right? He wasn't yes. a cop. That's right. Investigative reporter. Okay. How many investigative reporters went traipsing around the fucking country <laughs> trying to find one guy for one story and they kept paying his bills? Bullshit. Yeah. Well, he was always no. in trouble with the paper, though, wasn't he? Always having to, like, That's like, what I'm to saying. Justify, Why did yeah. they not fire yeah. that guy in, like, episode four? This day and age, he would be a podcaster, right? He would be working for yeah, the right. paper. Looking for Bigfoot. He, right. He would be, he would be <laughs> podcasting his search all the way around. He would be around. a guest in our next segment on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He would be. <laughs> Joining us now, Jack McGee from the National yeah. Register, whatever he's from. <laughs> Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. It started as a nuclear experiment. And now David Banner is a man alone. Pursued by danger and fear. Because whenever he is angered, the unleashed rage transforms him. Will David find a cure to control the Incredible Hulk? Friday night here on Channel 4. We can't talk about the Hulk, though, without talking about the actors who actually played it, because they were pretty mm-hmm. damn good. Yeah. All of them were really, really good for the roles, which I think probably helped make the show successful. Yep. And let's start with the top. I mean, Bill Bixby as David Bruce Banner. <laughs> Bruce <laughs> so, Banner. <right? laughs> and I remember seeing him on Courtship of Eddie's Father. Right. But yeah, I mean, he was pretty amazing in this show. Well, plus, I mean, he has a comic book name, because... Every Bill comic Bixby. book yeah. hero that you know, they their <laughs> names are always the same initial for the first and the last mm-hmm. name. Bruce Banner, blah, blah, blah. Bill Bixby. That's a perfect comic that is book one. name. Yep. That, is, so, that is a really good superhero name. You're yeah. right. They yeah. could have just kept his real name if they wanted to, quite yeah, honestly. If they were to change it, just change the whole damn thing. But. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Bixby always brought a – he's the actor who brought the most pathos to the show for me. Like when I watch him, especially – we'll talk about it a little bit later, but – in the later seasons, he's kind of Bill Bixby himself was kind of a broken man because of some personal things yeah, that yeah. happened in his life. But like he wasn't doing a comic book. I read that he wanted this to be a serious drama. And I he contributed to that. You could tell he wasn't phoning it in. Like he was there 
doing serious drama and television. He wasn't doing, hey, the comic book version of something on TV. Right. And when I, whenever I would see him on, on the air, and we'll talk later about, I rewatched one of my favorite two-parters. And in that, like you feel for the guy, like you said, Courtship and his father, of course, you know, that was a sitcom, but I see him in this and I'm like, this guy really has acting chops. Like he could have been a super, he was a big name, but he could have been a super duper star given the right roles or opportunities I always felt. Yeah. I felt like that he physically embodied despair. Like, yes. Just from the things that mm-hmm. I can remember yep. of the show, the brief memories I have, everything about the way he physically interacted with that television universe as an adult now. And I think about these things with mm-hmm. movies or TV shows, it was just all despair, just gloom, horrendous feelings. Just like it felt like his shoulders were going to break in every scene that I remember. He's a tortured man. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely yeah, for sure. And that comes across. Yeah. Now, of course, we've alluded to him earlier. It's Bill Bixby's alter ego, Lou Ferrigno. Who and you? You said it, George. This is a role that made his made him a household name, uh, made him perhaps a larger career. If nothing else, in being cameos in every other Incredible Hulk franchise to ever come out right. yeah. after this one. <laughs> but I remember I never heard of Lou Ferrigno. Look, only thing I'd ever heard of in terms of like bodybuilders was you hear of Schwarzenegger. You know, of course, because mm-hmm. he's he's a big name. And I'd heard that at one point he was considered for the role of the Hulk. Oh, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, that makes sense. They didn't even pick. Lou Ferrigno initially, I'll tell me that in just a second, but ultimately they did. They ended up with the right guy. I don't know if you ever watched like the high def transfers these days, but you can see a lot of the things they did in his costuming and his makeup to help the man out because he was legally deaf. He had hearing aids. Mm-hmm. And so he had this, the, like the, the big bowl wig that he wore was designed to hide right. his hearing aids. He had like little green booties on his feet because the Hulk was supposed to be running mm-hmm. around barefooted. Barefoot, and right. when you're watching it on an antenna and it's kind of scratchy and snowy, you can't tell. But now you watch an HD transfer. You're like, it's, it's really obvious. Why is he wearing house <laughs> slippers running around? Yeah. <laughs> or ballet slippers. <laughs> yeah, you get a pirouette for me next, Lou. But he really embodied that character. And it, it was more than just him, but he was really the character that made it so powerful. Right. The only thing I remember seeing Frigno is that he was in Pumping Iron. He was like the big competition for Schwarzenegger for the Mr. Universe. So that's really the only time I've seen him besides, you know, Hulk, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I probably saw it when it first came out, maybe, if then, <laughs> but not. And that would have been a documentary him. more than something yeah, that would yeah, have not launched really acting career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In all honesty, he was in that movie because he was in the orbit of Schwarzenegger, right? He wasn't there for his, on his oh, own yeah, acting sure. merits, right? <laughs> he was there because he was a big yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah, he was huge. Oh, my God. Well, so he he's not only huge in The Hulk, he's also an asshole. Oh, is he? Is he? Oh, absolutely he is. How do you know? You guys remember a few years ago, we were at Dragon Con, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that was the convention where we picked up a couple of neat little interviews. Uh, one with uh, Gil Gerard that's been really big on our mm-hmm. channel. We mm-hmm. did another one, Walter Koenig from Star Trek. Right. During that convention, Lou Frickno was in the room where they had all the people doing autographs. If you guys remember that, and you could walk mm. up and down the snake of tables and it was just right. star upon star. Well, he was at the back and being that, you know, I'm a comic book guy, I see Lou Frickno, of course, I want to go get his autograph. Mm-hmm. So I walk over to him and I'm like, hey, and nobody is there, by the way. It's not like there's a long line or anything. So he's pressed mm-hmm. for time or anything like that. It's not that kind of a situation. I walk up to him. Hey, Mr. Frigno, it's great to see you. I'd love to get one of your pictures and an autograph. And he's like, yeah, just put the money over there. Oh, okay. Whoa. 
<laughs> and I'm like, at this point, I'm in my mid 40s and you guys know me and all the listeners know me. I don't like that kind of shit. <laughs> Fuck you with my money as far as I'm concerned. Well, I still wanted the autograph just because, you know, salute for I'm mm-hmm. Now I'm going to find a way to sell it if I can at some point. <laughs> just uh, despite him. <laughs> just despite him. But the whole time, like I was just genuinely trying to be polite and friendly and maybe ask a simple question. You guys have gone through an autograph line. Oh, yeah. You pay your money down. You get the autograph. Maybe you ask a simple little question like, oh, did you really enjoy doing this role? Or what was it mm-hmm. like? Right. He was having none of that. And I'm looking around. I'm like, dude, nobody's in your fucking line. Yeah. You should at least enjoy breaking up the boredom of sitting at your lonely ass. <laughs> I was a 1970s guy table and right. having somebody there appreciate you and your work. Nope. It's like, none like he didn't that. want to be there for some reason. Yeah. You look like somebody that kicked his puppy or something. Yeah. You'll do the complete opposite. Sweet man as he could be. Walter Koenig, same thing. Lou Ferrigno, fuck that guy. I don't care. <laughs> Not a personal fan no. is what George says. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> they say don't meet your heroes. Not that Ferrigno was a big hero, but he's a piece of that pop culture we love. And it's disappointing mm-hmm. to hear that he's like, he's not embracing yeah. it. I mean, maybe he was having a bad day, but it doesn't matter. I don't know the man's personal story, but what else is he doing? Yeah, I know. Exactly. It doesn't really matter. You should get big over superstar? that. Superstar. I'm sure he's getting paid huge. Yeah. yeah. He lost your money. Yeah. If you're having a bad day that day, don't go there to collect your, no, oh, no, by the way, completely yeah, yeah. overpriced autograph. It's something like right. $70 or some shit. Oh, wow. Well, I was about to guess 40, 70 bucks. Bucks. Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was crazy. Well, that includes being insulted. That comes yeah. in the feed. So <laughs> you get the bonus plan with his. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> but, you know, go home, take a break, you know, have mm. somebody else sit at your table for a little while or something. But, you know, when you have people coming up to you, be nice to them, at least. Just be nice. If they're being jerks to you, okay, fine. But I absolutely was being nice to him. Yeah, and trying to give you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, on top of that. George will never be mean to anybody giving him money, guaranteed, and no. neither should Lou Ferrigno. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they were starring in the series, I always thought it was cool. I'd heard about this back then, but was reading a bit. Bixby and Ferrigno, they planned and arranged and felt very adamant about not showing up in public together because they were concerned right. about how- Destroy would- the illusion almost- Confuse kids or make them destroy ah, the illusion. That's right. right. Kind of like a wrestler kayfabe thing. Like the guys and bad guys and wrestlers, they <laughs> oh, okay. wouldn't be seen in public together, like going out drinking at a bar. Oh, even if they were really friends, they wouldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. Right. And most of them probably are really friends, right? But they're mm-hmm. like, we can't be sitting at dinner, cutting up and having a drink together when you're supposed to be mortal enemies, right? right. So. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about the fact that Schwarzenegger almost got cast. Lou Ferrigno did not get cast as the Incredible Hulk out of the gate. Initially, oh, yeah. it was Richard Keel. The, oh. the Jaws guy? Jaws guy. Yes. Yeah. He was Jaws in James Bond, a spy who yeah. loved me, and then later in Moonraker. They have the big chrome teeth. It was initially Keel. And he was in Happy Gilmore. Oh, was he? I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's Adam Sandler's foreman who Adam Sandler shoots in the head with a nail gun. And then later on, he's helping Adam Sandler during the golf tournament. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Keel was a huge guy, obviously. He was Jaws, seven foot two, and they started shooting the pilot movie. Really? But in dailies, they were looking and going, he's just, he's big, he's tall enough, but he's not bulky enough. Right. He's not he's muscular very, he's, enough. Hmm. Right. He's not convincing as the Hulk. And also, he's kind of awkward moving, too. Like, He's a big lanky guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And he didn't have the best knees. Like you go, I've mentioned the Happy Gilmore thing. You go back and watch that. Like there's a scene where he's supposed to be chasing down somebody mm-hmm. and they had to do the whole thing in super slow-mo because he could barely move. Because <laughs> he was just hobbling, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately they found Lou Ferrigno. 
thankfully got him in. I mean, George isn't a fan, but they did (laughs) (laughs) as an actor. He's on there. He he apparently still made good TV. So he did. Yeah. So they reshot it. But however, there's one scene you can still see Richard Keel as the Incredible Hulk in the pilot. There's a scene where there's a girl in a tree. There's an angle. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Uh, I I haven't gone back to look at it, but you'll see very clearly he's not as bulky, but he did Mm. show up in there. So Lou Ferrigno may have embodied the Hulk, but Lou Ferrigno was not the voice of the Hulk. That signature growl or all that stuff. I feel like I heard this once and forgot it and then rediscovered it reading yeah. for this and then learned even more. So Ted Cassidy, Lurch from the Adams Family, oh. he is the voice. Now, if you think about it in your head, you can hear it. That yeah. growl, you that rang. low guttural sound. <laughs> you rang. Yeah. yeah, you rang. Not only that, this blew my mind, that opening dialogue. David Banner, I'm scientist, all this stuff and how he's yeah. tortured. That is also Ted Cassidy. That's Lurch's regular speaking voice. He read that opening narration. That Got George, it. you're the part you remember the most. That was Lurch's talking. (laughs) Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. That's awesome. I mean, and that narrator in that Mm -hmm. intro... It's one of the most significant parts of that intro. You have all the interesting scenes clipped together, mm-hmm. the car flipping and mm-hmm. the gamma chair. I always remember the gamma chair with the little x-ray light on his forehead. Mm-hmm. The That's strap under your chin. Speed. Right. Yeah. yeah. I always remember that. But the voice is really what makes that intro sing. If it's not for the narrator, intro's shit, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could just hear him going, you know, control the raging spirit that dwells yeah. within. And oh, the little just, side like- screen part with his voice where mm-hmm. Banner looks down and Lou Ferrigno where they're half face, half face kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh yeah. That's the title screen. The half face thing. thing. Yep. Now Ted Cassidy was the voice of the Hulk. And I say was because sadly he passed away Mm. mid second season in 1979. And so they switched over to a gentleman named Charles Napier. That name sounds familiar. What's he done? Um, he doesn't ring a bell. He he is a character actor, but I I don't place him from anything when I took a glance at him. Which I find that kind of odd because all you need is like that kind of sounds. You think they'd have enough of them in the bank to just <laughs> keep using them? You say that, but I think that's selling short what Cassidy was doing. Like, yes, he was growling, but he was acting through the growling. Am I growling because I'm angry or am I growling because I'm throwing something or am I growling because they're gentle scenes where the Hulk is, he's done hulking, but he hasn't turned back into Banner yet. And he's, he's talking to somebody and that's all he can do. So I feel like you'd have a lot in the bank, but it'd be tough to fit it all in with all the different scenes. Yeah. I did go and look up Charles Napier because you said you didn't recognize. I recognize him from two things. Number one, he was one of the asshole military guys in Rambo 2 that sent Rambo over into Vietnam and didn't really care if he came back. Okay. He's oh, one of those guys. Okay. He was the guard in Silence of the Lambs who got his face eaten off. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, like when, okay. when oh. he brings him the thing and he's he's always wrapping the cage, you know, with the nightstick and taunting him. Right, he's him. harassing him. He's basically right, right, taunting yeah. him. Yeah. Which is yeah, he's so like, stupid. I guess something yeah. for you. Yep. Yeah, he always <laughs> plays that kind of role, so it's interesting to see that he did the Hulk voice. 
Yeah, yeah. that's just. Well, I'm cool. guessing they looked for a Ted Cassidy sound alike. That's my guess, and he yeah. got the part. Yeah. yeah. Now you talked about Jack McGee, this guy who's on the the company dime, running around mm-hmm. the country chasing down a ghost. But this was a part. I don't. Was this even a part of the comic? Mo, was no, there a guy no chasing him around? No, mm-hmm. no, not like this. I thought he was always moving around himself out of fear of hurting people. Yeah, he was. Right, right. Banner was. That was his thing. And there was a very real structure to the show. This was a character that was created for the show to give this ticking clock, to give the, hey, Banner can't just stay in one place. Normally, he would just stay until he's discovered or he's risk of right. discovered and leave. Or as you said, George, you know, worried he's going to hurt somebody because something's mm-hmm. happened. But now you have somebody on the heels of the Incredible Hulk, on the heels of Banner, looking for him. Something about that character, you hate him because he's after the hero. He's after the guy you like. But he was just the right kind of smart. Me. He was just the right kind of yeah. kind of Weasley, like, oh, he was almost like a Columbo. Oh, one more thing. Uh, didn't you say you saw something? And he was really kind of like slimy. I'll tell you, the same way that Bill Bixby embodied despair, this guy embodied greasy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he, he just felt like every part of him had oil dripping off of him. And like <laughs> as he would walk away, there'd be just a trail of slime behind him or something like that. <laughs> Every part of this guy's demeanor felt that way to me. And especially there's that one scene in the intro where Banner and him are standing on the steps and you wouldn't like me Mm -hmm. if I'm angry. The creature is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But I always looked at Jack McGee in that scene because he's just standing there and he just looks like some guy who's... Oh, I, I can't even describe it other than to say, like, you would not be surprised to find him being arrested in an hour hotel. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I get that. You, know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you understand why they didn't just fire him because he was yeah. around burning their money. Right. Interesting point. I learned Jack Colvin, the actor, Jack McGee, was almost written out of the show. Yeah. But Bixby and Ferrigno protested and said, if he goes, we go. That wow. kept him all the way to the end of the series. Yeah. They must have had a really good friendship because you don't see that kind of thing happening no, back yeah. then. Yeah, you really didn't. It's a respect between actors. It's like, look, I have this big part. I have this big part. Depending on the kind of star you are, you might go, everyone but me is inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> and maybe Ferrigno was, I get the feeling Bixby drove that. I have no evidence to back it up, but knowing the caliber of actor and just humanitarian that Bixby was in his life, I have a feeling that he was the kind of guy that would go, hey, let's stand up and protect this guy. He has a He's an important part, but not a big part. He got maybe two scenes in a, an episode. That was it. But they were like, no, he's not getting written out. Yeah. And he always like just missed him. Of course. Yeah. 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 It's like he just missed him. Like one's going out the door. He's going to be in the other door. I just remember. Do you guys remember? Okay. Mo, do you remember? No, George doesn't. Do you remember? (laughs) There was an episode where they were both in the same place somewhere. Forget how it happened, but they were temporarily blinded and they were in the same hospital room together. Yeah. And they didn't realize that they were in the same place. Yeah. I remember that. They were talking. Oh, they were like talking to each other or something. They were becoming friends, but neither could see. And so I think Banner knew it was McGee, but McGee did not know know this was Banner, who he thinks is dead, of course. Right. So, and they built this whole friendship up. I just remembered that they had that. Otherwise they would never have scenes together typically, but that was one of, they had a whole episode together. I just Hmm. sparked to the back of my brain. us talking about about him, but and also, I think didn't McGee think the Hulk killed Banner? I think that was yes. one of the reasons why he was. That chasing sounds after right. Him. I think yeah. you're right. Yep, you I know. think yep. I remember that. A lot of great talent in this show. But real quickly before we get out of this segment, I went through a list of this was like the Love Boat, right? There was just two or three main actors, and then everybody else came in and out. It's different people, different places. 
a lot of big talent or people who became big talent or on the tail end of like 60s fame. Lonnie Anderson was in an episode. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Roger Aaron Brown, Martin Cove, Gerald McRaney. Wait, wait, wait. Karate Kid Martin Cove? That's Martin Cove. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Crease was in there. Uh, uh, Mr. Gerald McRaney. Uh, he was uh, one of the, uh, what was the series he was in? The uh, Simon uh, and Simon. Simon right? and Simon, yeah. Right. Andrew Robinson, Garrett from Garrick? Deep Space Nine. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And John Witherspoon, big time character actor. Wait, wow. John Witherspoon. John Witherspoon. Why does that sound familiar? He was in I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. He, he's always yes, been kind right. of a comedic actor that I remember. Mm-hmm. It, it was a revolving door of character actors. You know, it, it's like uh, Law and Order that you watch so much, yeah. right? George? Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. it's the same main characters, but you have to bring new people through every time to react fresh to these characters. And that was that kind of show. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You guys notice that Kim Cattrall was in the show as one of her was first acting roles. Wow. No idea. Her first ever yeah. acting roles. Uh, Rick Springfield also was in it. Really? Uh, Sherman Helmsley. Yep. From the Jeffersons. Everybody was came in it. through this. Yeah. It was a who's who. Yeah. Mm. One of the best cameos, though, I think I found in there was Jack Kirby. Oh, nice. nice. The, really? The guy who That's created cool. the man who created the Hulk was the artist for it, the original comic mm-hmm. book. Um, he had a cameo as a police sketch artist. Perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> nice thinking. Good job. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. With Colorform's Incredible Hulk adventure set, I'll be an Incredible Hulk. I'll you can pretend Incredible. lots of things. Huh? Like the Hulk is battling his arch enemy Rhino, or using his incredible strength against the Abomination, wow. or single handedly capturing a gang of evildoers. You can pretend lots of exciting adventures with your imagination and Colorform's Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk adventure set comes with 24 plastic playing pieces. It's Colorform's fun. So I think it's been well established that I don't really have any strong memories for this TV show as I was a little too young when it came out and I didn't, I wasn't really into the whole comic books, but I think it might be interesting for both of you to talk about your favorite memorable episode or storyline oh, maybe yeah. from the show, because oh, yeah. what else are we going to talk about if we're, you know, we talk about talent, we talk about how it got started, but the if you don't show, talk about the stories. the stories, what's the point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm just curious, Mo, since you have the super high praise for this thing, what was your favorite <laughs> episode or storyline? So it was, and it's funny because, you know, when we asked, you said like, hey, here's where the questions we're going to ask. This episode, for some reason, has stuck with me and I don't know why. Okay. And it was good. I mean, it was a good episode, but I don't know why this particular one does. It was beginning of season two. I looked this up. It was okay. a double episode. It was called, the first one was called Married and the next one was called Bride of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Hmm, I know. That's a good episode. Let me t- well, let me tell you the story. <laughs> okay, wait on us. Bruce Banner. Okay, don't don't. You're gonna laugh at this part. He somehow winds up in Hawaii. Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> he just wandered in Hawaii. Let's just just go with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. But he meets this woman who's a scientist, also, and she's dying of this disease. 
and she's trying to research this. how to save. Yeah, she's trying to save, figure out how to save herself, and they form a relationship. Even though he tries really hard not to, they get mm-hmm. into a relationship, and she finds out that he's the Hulk, and she knows. And it's one of the. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's why I like it. It's one of the few times that a character like actually knows that he's the Hulk and is not gone like immediately. Mm. And so they have a whole thing where they wind up getting together, and she realized that when he's the Hulk, something about the way his cells are that she can get a sample, she could actually like possibly save herself, and then they could work on saving him, that kind of thing. They're in bed and he has a nightmare and turns into the Hulk. And so she like doesn't freak out. She's actually does get the sample from him and the Hulk like gets pissed off because it stings or something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. runs off. <laughs> the thing I remember about this though, and I guess it's one of those things that really frustrated me is that after they do that, she's like, oh, I could get the cure done really quick, but let's work on you for a while, curing you. Mm-hmm. I never understood that because she's actually dying. Right. He's not. He's just tortured. He's in a bad yep. place, but she's going to die. Yeah. But what ends up happening is that she di- actually winds up dying and they have a whole scene where the Hulk like grabs her and it's like runs out into the, like into the rain. Of course, thunderstorms and rain Mm -hmm. and it ends like you see the hulk holding her and then it switches and you see like it stopped raining as bruce banner holding oh that sounds so cool i'm gonna go back and watch that one wow I mean, I was like getting teary in that one. Even as a kid, I was like, that's like, terrible. And oh, they man. couldn't find a cure. You know, he doesn't get the cure, obviously, and it keeps yeah. going. But that mm. episode, for some reason, just has stuck with me just because that end scene where you see like the, it's sure. the Hulk, then it turns and then it's Bruce Banner was just, I don't know, it got to me. Wow. All right. So not to tread strongly on your melancholy, but <laughs> you get very upset like when they change his name and the mm-hmm. origin story, but you don't get mad when the lady can puncture his skin with a needle but bullets bounce off of him yeah okay all right just checking i, I get very selective <laughs> about the things that like you know bother me. <laughs> i'm not saying there's logic or even if it's correct i'm just Listen, saying damn it, i believe what's convenient in my brain leave me alone that's right <laughs> And plus, you know, maybe I, yeah, there's no rationale. Like, and now, did bullets actually bounce <laughs> off him? Well, yeah. No, in the show, did bullets oh, bounce off him? I don't him? know about in the show, because like oh, I, I said, I didn't really watch the show. Right. But in the comic books and oh, in the comic books, later definitely. media, yeah. Yeah. bullets always bounce off of yeah. him unless there's something massive. And then, like, that's the whole awesome thing. Like, if, if something is really super powerful and then it, like, cuts under his eye just a little bit or something. Yeah, yeah. there's a little nick. <laughs> like, he should cut himself shaving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought he would like it could get shot and hurt, but he was like Deadpool-y. Like he he healed super fast yeah. because of his metabolism or something like I that. Thought that was my impression. I don't remember like ricochets of bullets like the old yeah. Supermans. I, I wasn't a showrunner though, so this is what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm done listening to what Mo's favorite episode was because his logic completely is, <laughs> all broke blows down. me away. Uh, we'll move into John. John, did you have a favorite oh, episode? Or maybe since you've been re-watching them, maybe you now have a favorite storyline. As soon as I knew I was going to have to pick a favorite storyline or something, I, I knew immediately what it was. There's something about episodes that break the rules, right? I just said the rule that McGee and Banner couldn't be in the same place. Uh-huh. I love that episode. I just remembered where they were blinded for a while. You loved Mo, the one where he somebody finds out he's the Hulk. It's a rule-breaking thing. Mm-hmm. The one I loved, it was like mid-fourth season. So toward the end of the series, it was a two-parter called The First. And so this spanned two hours. I'll break it down for you very briefly and why I liked it so much. The whole point is, there's another damn Hulk. That's the beautiful thing of this. And he was the Hulk long before Banner was ever the Hulk. Oh, was he red? No, he was not red. No, wait, no. wait. Was so this green. the really old guy who was a Hulk? Exactly. See, I, I remember, remember this. I remember this one. I remember this yeah. one now. Yeah. So it was a guy named Del Fry. His character actor, Harry Towns, was, was the guy. 
you've seen him in Petticoat Junction and everything because he's a very old guy. And the story was he was like the groundskeeper for this super duper scientist. And everybody thinks so the scientist has like this, like a sunroof that brings in the sun and focuses and amplifies gamma rays. He was doing experimentation and everyone thinks the scientist was this monster. And when he died, the monster went away. So everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Everybody, everything's fine. Well, turns out he was experimenting on his groundskeeper buddy and the night that he cured him, he found the cure. He was also lynched and killed by a bunch of people because they thought he was the monster when really it was his groundskeeper was the monster. Banner comes into town. He's trying to find out what's going on. Yeah. The guy tells him what's happening and he convinces him to, well, hey, you're going to have to use this injection thing and turn on the gamma ray machine. But really what it was, the old guy with his arthritis and his age, he wanted it back. He wanted to be a Hulk again. Uh. Mm -hmm. And so he tricked Banner into turning the machine on and then he like knocked him out and he sat on it and he became the Hulk again. And the Hulk was played by Dick Durock, the guy who was Swamp Thing, big tall guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And when you see pictures of him, he looks so crazy. He has a headpiece on to make him look more Frankenstein-y. He has big fake teeth in. And his green hair was kind of gray tinted. It was. It was. But so suddenly, so this old guy, he's now the Hulk again. He goes around town talking to the bullies, getting into fights, begging (laughs) them to smack him around because he loves beating people up. He loves it. He ends up killing somebody. The tragedy of this is, so Banner finds the cure. It's in these notebooks. He knows what he has to do. But you know how it works. Something gets broken. I have one dose left. I'll cure the old man instead of myself. Well, the old man was actually dangerous. That was the thing. He, he was. You had to make him stop yeah. being the Hulk. That's one of the first times that I remember ever in the show, he fought something his power. So he mm, fought another yeah. Hulk and it was really cool. And then Banner again, you know, melancholy. He's the, the put upon guy. He said, all right, I really should cure myself. I have the cure in my hand. He saved the old guy from being, well, he saved the town from the old guy by making him stop being the Hulk. I, it was just a, it, it broke all the rules. There's two Hulks. There's, and Banner, he had the cure in his damn hand. And I remember how yeah. tragic that was. I thought it was a big highlight for me. It was one that I thought was, it, it defined the series for me. I, right away, I went back and rewatched it. But as soon as you said, I knew it had to be this two-parter <laughs> was my favorite. Mm. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. For decades, America's marveled at the Incredible Hulk. I become a mutant thing. Now one man will destroy the beast within him, even if it means killing himself. I can rid you of this thing. Tonight. NBC makes history with the explosive end of a living legend, the death of the Incredible Hulk, a world premiere next. That very recognizable and notable tune you heard at the end of the last segment. As much of a character in the series and probably one of the biggest parody part of The Incredible Hulk. And that was a piece written specifically for the show by a composer, Joe Harnell, called The Lonely Man. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Ah, lonely thing. Every time he's walking out of town, you mm-hmm. hear that thing playing. 
Yeah, it definitely was not the triumphant like Marvel oh, superhero no. Never movie was. song, oh, no. and you know, <laughs> it was definitely like very melancholy. Mm-hmm. It was the musical yep. equivalent of despair every single time, just like the man was. Yeah, yeah the song was. I, yeah. That's why it's one of the things I remember the most because uh, specifically the last few notes. They're just like on a piano oh, key, click. and they're just ding ding click. ding ding. And I, I remember as a kid, thank God, I wish I had a piano so I could learn to play those five notes. That's all I right? wanted to do. I, I could never play the, any of the other parts. Still can't. I, I probably can't play the five notes at this point either. But I wanted to because it was just, I don't know, it just, it, it was gripping. It's I powerful. Guess. Yeah. It's yeah. a powerful tune. Yeah. You can hum that song and everyone knows it's from the Hulk. I mean, oh, yeah, right it's away. very recognizable. Well, everybody of a certain age. Of a certain Let's age, say. right. Of yeah. a certain age. I will give you that one. <laughs> yep. I always noted that the structure of the shows are really predictable. And you'll find this, George, if you go back and start rewatching or, you know, in some cases watching for the first time. It was always like, okay, the setup is you get into town, you find a part-time job, you're there because something, you heard about something, you're in- investigating. Mm-hmm. Some major assholes smack Banner around. He even tells them not always. to, please don't, guys, come on. He tries yeah. to back out of it. And they're like, no, we're, we're, we're bikers or we're gang members or we're insert assholes here, whatever it was. And he, he turns into the Hulk the first time, beats the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Then we have the rest of the story. There's a big climax. You get the second appearance of the Hulk and David's got to walk out of town. And that's pretty mm. much the structure of most of the shows. It's pretty much all the shows. Yeah. Yeah. And he always you know, walks out of town. And like, I remember the camera being on his back, but then every now and then, I think I remember he would turn around and stick his thumb out like he was hitchhiking. Yes. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was when the fight scenes too, like he never really like hit people. He threw a lot of people. He threw a lot of stuff. He yeah. threw people <laughs> into stuff and over stuff. Right. Or threw stuff at people. But like right. he never just like, because he could have just like, hey, look, your face is now in your brain. Bye. He right. could have done that. <laughs> But he was just instead causing chaos and throwing well, people around. It was probably around. the same mentality of the A-team, right? Like right. they blew up 700 people, but they all just got launched into the air yeah. to land on yeah. some soft patch of dirt right. later on because you couldn't kill anybody on network TV back then. You I fire guess. a million rounds, but nobody got shot ever, right. ever right? It's yeah. one of those deals. <laughs> Well, George, you talk about tragedy, and I alluded to this earlier. Bill Bixby, already a great actor, having that emotion. In the second half of the show's run, kind of toward the toward the middle of it, his young son had a, a sudden illness yeah. and death. And oh. losing a child, I can't imagine. Uh, Just shoot me in the head yeah. instead. Mm. And then, as if that weren't enough, grief-stricken by that, his wife committed suicide. Oh, Ouch. Well, this is ex-wife at the time, but the, you know, the mother of his child. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Ferrigno has since observed that Bixby was never really the same. His heart wasn't into it during the final two seasons. Uh, now, oddly, that's when uh, these, I think all the ones we talked about were, were in and his heart may not have been in it, but, and I, if I could rewind this for the man, I would, but that pain, I think you could see on his face. He may not have been as enthusiastic about the show, but for a character who was so absolutely desperate and heart and broken in many ways, mm-hmm. I think you saw that on his face even more in those later seasons. It's terrible that it, that it happened, but it's the history of the show. It's part of what happened. Yeah. You can't watch those seasons anymore now that I know this without thinking what he's been through between when he started this journey and the end of it. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't. He said, I can't imagine. No. Now, this is interesting. We're going to get into an area I think, George, might make some more sense to you, especially timely as this new series <laughs> just hit Disney. So there was a point where, you remember how the $6 million man, Bionic Woman, they spun off Lindsay Wagner into the Bionic Woman? Yeah, yeah. Right. Great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, the Hulk guys say, hey, you know what we'll do? Let's take David's sister. Let's have an emergency blood transfusion. Uh, and let's have her turn into a female Hulk character. 
Okay. But the series ended. Nobody ever did it. But Marvel heard wind of what they were planning. And they said, hey, that's a pretty good idea. But we're going to spin <laughs> it. We're going to use his cousin instead. They, I think they kept the blood transfusion yeah, idea. They did. Yeah. And that's how the origin of the She-Hulk comic book came because of the inspiration from what they planned on doing with the TV show. Wow. Huh. And one of the other things the show did is that, you know, that they actually had like some guest appearances of other superheroes, not done well, oh, but they did have I was talking about. Yeah. So they had Thor show up. Oh mm-hmm. my God. It was comical. Oh, I've, I've seen the pictures of that. Oh, that yeah. looks awful. Comical. I think this is what you're talking about, George, how the weird Captain America guy or whatever, like yeah. on the motorcycle with a helmet. The Thor <laughs> pictures that I've seen from the Hulk TV show look worse than the guy who played Thor in Adventures in Babysitting. Yes. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Does he have a really fuzzy vest? That's what I remember. Yeah, right? he had, he had like a, a fur, fur vest. vest. <laughs> like he's a caveman or something. <laughs> they, they gave him the Thor. Hel- oh, this is ridiculous. But also, they had Daredevil and Kingpin of all people. Really? Oh, Kingpin would have been interesting hmm. if they done, done well. it right. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Um, yep. <laughs> that's why they didn't get spin-off shows, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think a lot of those appeared in... So after the show finished its run in 82, I think, later on, MCA Universal sold the rights to production of the Hulk to this company called World Television. And they said, you know what? The series just kind of ended, ended. In fact, the last season is just a few episodes. They said, hey, we're going to do a series of movies that aired on NBC. So the Hulk was on CBS, but this was on NBC. So... Uh, now, I don't remember I ever saw these. They were shot in like 88, 89. So I would oh, have been Oh, they actually did do them? I didn't know they actually they did, did them. Yeah, there were three films. Oh, wow. The Incredible Hulk Returns, The okay. Trial of the Incredible Hulk, and The Death of the Incredible Hulk. Oh. And so part of me was like, I'm going to go back and watch these. But now I'm like, I don't want to watch these until I rewatch the series because that's the end. <laughs> you know? Well, I guess wouldn't The Death of the Incredible Hulk have been the TV show in the first place? The Death, what? The death of the Incredible Hulk? Because it was so crappy that they just ended in season five <laughs> with just a few episodes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Well, Did they really need a movie to tell us what had happened? I think they mean the character died, not the series uh, died. But yes, yeah. they were both dead at that point, right? <laughs> we talked about how, you know, that the, the lonely man thing, that theme. And we've, but we've talked about over and over about the don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, which is yeah. that scene where he's standing there with McGee. Yep. Even if somebody like you, George, who didn't watch it even in the day, who didn't even really watch all of it since then, those are things that you recognize immediately as what it's from. Yeah, I mean, they're just like we've talked about on other things. They're part of the zeitgeist at this point. Mm. You know, they're yep. things that are for a long time there. The slow mo jump and with the growl was a thing that you would yeah. see kids doing on every Hell playground. Yeah. And yep. the flipping of the car. I would watch my friends, you know, in <laughs> elementary school. They'd be flipping things over. <laughs> in the playground. Flipping my big wheel. Flipping this. (laughs) So all of those things were part of it. And the line, especially, I remember playing football and we would use that line (laughs) playing football against the opposition and stuff. You know, it was supposed to be a psycho. It never worked. I mean, we still got our asses kicked, but (laughs) But you felt good saying it. Felt powerful. We did. Yeah. Right up until the moment we got hit. (laughs) Then you wish you could Hulk out. Then you're like the old guy in my show. You're like, right. please Hulk me. I'm trying just to get inject me with something, please. Yeah. Steroids, green, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those backtracks that I, I feel like, look, I could watch another episode and talk for another hour about it because yeah. there's there's so many little things in it from the, the co-stars and the talent that we talked about that's regular. And, and now, especially as an adult, which you kind of mentioned, George, watching this differently through different older eyes and, and seeing it in a way that you probably didn't see it as a kid. As a kid, I'm waiting for the Hulk. 
Hulk to get here. As an adult, I'm waiting for the Hulk to get here, but I also like the performances, you know? <laughs> right. And it's, there's so much to it. It's such an integral part of our youth growing up. It was appointment TV, as D. Yeah, Shannon said, time. and our listener email at the top. Hey, fourth listener, if you remember The Incredible Hulk, please write in and let us know what your memories are. We would love to hear about them. That then is going to wrap it up for our retrospective on the 1978 series, The Incredible Hulk. We will be back, of course, in two weeks with another backtrack, but next week, a regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, man. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you we all appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. The lady can puncture his skin with a needle, but bullets bounce off of him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, All right. Just checking. It's fine. Listen, this is a guy who believes in Godzilla, George. Really, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.